Welcome back to On the Ground, a new podcast by the American Bar Association Commission on Domestic and Sexual Violence. This is your host, Anya Lynn Lesker. In our first episode, we introduced Samantha Williams, a new attorney working on domestic violence and family law issues in Washington, D.C. We discussed some questions Samantha had about domestic violence and visitation in custody cases. In this episode, we'll hear another of Samantha's questions and then take the questions to our experts in the field. Here's Samantha. So there are multiple issues. I guess one certainly is the judges not feeling like the domestic violence is relevant. Particularly, I found that to be the case when domestic violence has happened a long time ago or that it's happened possibly against another party who's not a party to the litigation. Um, And I find it particularly challenging in the it's happened a long time ago world when my client hasn't seen the other party and they're not together anymore and they're not communicating. So, of course, it hasn't happened in a long time because there's been no opportunity. How to reconcile that? Samantha's question may once again be a familiar one if you practice in this area. What do you do when the domestic violence incidents in your case are very old or attenuated? Can you still make them relevant to your requested relief? We'll now turn to our experts in the field for their advice on navigating this common challenge. Let's first go back to Madeline Garcia Bigelow, Director of the Domestic Violence Project at the Urban Justice Center. We heard from her on our first episode. If the court feels that the domestic violence being really attenuated from the the filing, that it happened much too long ago and the court is not finding it relevant or may not be finding the domestic violence relevant to the extent that we would like them to weigh the domestic violence in the custody proceeding. We want to be able to really break it down and try and tie it to your statute. What do you know about the judge, about his or her rulings, about what the demeanor is in that courtroom? What are the things that the judge is normally concerned about? What do other attorneys say regarding this particular courtroom? And is there something that you can do in preparation and ahead of your um, court date to try and appease that, to try and put your best foot forward, if you will, in terms of your arguments? I think the trickier part is where the domestic violence was something that happened to someone experienced by someone who is not a party to the litigation. That may be something that the court disallows altogether. It's going to be very dependent on the facts of your case, who this person was, under what circumstances, when it happened, where is that person now, does that person have any relevance at all, even if it's ancillary, is that person a relative that would be in charge of transporting the children to and from visits? Is that person someone that has, you know, is very central to the lives of the parties? Or is that someone who is no longer part of the equation at all? In cases involving older instances of domestic violence, a question is whether there is currently an order protection or not. Where there currently is an order protection, the survivor's continuing fear of the perpetrator is enough in many jurisdictions to extend an order of protection. And where courts are treating the case as if it's a new case, which require more current instances of domestic violence, it's important to remind the court what is required for an extension uh, pursuant to the statutes. That was Stacy Platt clinical professor of law and the associate director of the Civitas Child Law Clinic at Loyola University Chicago School of Law. Now we're turning to Protima Pandey, managing attorney at Bay Area Legal Aid. 
when a judge does not feel like domestic violence is relevant or if it happened too long ago or it was against someone else and not your client um, someone else who's not a party to the proceeding I would say you have to take a step back and talk to your client about the importance of that incident being part of the theory of your case. It's not as much as what do I do? It's more have a plan in place where you've discussed this with your client. You know, you told me that there was domestic violence against his boyfriend. Uh, but since you and he got together, there hasn't been any domestic violence the children are fine, but that you're you're very strongly in favor of letting the court know about this domestic violence. Then switch gears. Use your knowledge as a lawyer, your understanding of the culture of law and the knowledge of law, and tell your client, well, here's what I want to tell you, that court has to consider what are in the best interest of the child factors when making a decision about custody. And we will be able to use the fact that he doesn't have a good temperament, that he has in the past a conviction for misdemeanor or felony domestic violence, or his previous boyfriend had to file for a restraining order against him, or whatever the facts may be. And tell your client, we'll do our best to present this to the court. And when the court turns around and says, well, nothing really happened, your client is fine now, and in the relationship for the last six years, there has been no domestic violence. Well, you've got to explain, well, that's because my client removed himself from the relationship and physically no longer lives with the other parent, so there was no opportunity. So what do you do if you do not have a strong argument under your statute or if you need more evidence to tie the domestic violence to your requested relief? Let's turn back to Stacy to hear her advice. It's important to raise the prior incidents of domestic violence, the period of no contact and therefore no opportunity, plus the survivor's ongoing fear as a mechanism to slow down the case. If, for example, a perpetrator has returned after an absence to seek parenting time, a survivor might seek a forensic evaluation, home study, or other kinds of court-allied interventions and forensic assistance, highlighting the absence from the children's lives of the perpetrator, the ongoing fear of the survivor and possibly the children who may have been abused themselves or subjected to witnessing abuse and seeking also therapeutic interventions, supervision, and other mechanisms to ensure the children's safety when the perpetrator has returned. But what if your statute is very limiting in terms of what the court may consider is relevant? Here's Amy Lopez, an attorney in Northern Colorado and professor at the Center for Women's Studies and Gender Research at Colorado State University, discussing how to make some arguments using broader domestic violence themes. I think that's a great opportunity to really educate the court about what we know about domestic violence and certainly being able to talk about, we know that these power and control dynamics were present. We know that my client experienced this type of fear or this type of um, 
restrictive behavior, whatever the, the tactics were. And simply because time has passed doesn't mean that those memories are erased and doesn't mean that trust has been established or that the perpetrator has changed their spots. And so we can't err on the fact that nothing has happened, particularly if there hasn't been an opportunity for something to happen um, over safety. And so kind of bringing it back to um, a safety argument and also depending on your statute, is the client in imminent fear? Imminent is um, a buzzword that people like to think of as close proximity, but frankly, it's subjective. It's up to the client to decide if he or she is still in imminent fear of that person, regardless of the time that's passed. Thank you for joining us for our second episode. That's all that we have time for today. We look forward to having you join us next time. And now, because we're all lawyers, here's your friendly liability reminder. Nothing in this podcast should be considered legal advice or legal representation. This podcast is national in scope and talks about national trends and best practices. You should always consult your local law. As a reminder, it is our job at the Commission to provide you with support in your civil representation of survivors. Please visit our website at ambar.org cdsv for information about our trainings and to contact us for help or support. Again, that's A-M-B-A-R period O-R-G slash C-D-S-V. This project was supported by grant number 2015 T-A-A-X-K-026, awarded by the Office on Violence Against Women, U.S. Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the U.S. Department of Justice, Office of Violence Against Women. Until next time, clear law, full hearts, can't lose.